you doing? Good to see you. It's so good to be back. It's always a thrill to uh, be back at uh, Forever House. And thank you so much, Brad and Sarah, for having me back. And uh, I didn't know your daughter went to one of our schools. So praise God. Next, we'll have to have a cup of there. So, uh, yeah. So, and, and Ben and Cindy's kids go there too, right? Oh, there you go. Awesome. Well, it's part of the family. So uh, I might be able to get you a discount. Uh, so uh, uh, I know people. Uh, so praise God. How you doing? Good to see you. I bring greetings uh, from your holiday church uh, on the Gold Coast, uh, King's Church. And uh, so if ever you're down on the holidays on the coast, I would be highly offended uh, if uh, anyone from Forever House was down on the Gold Coast for holidays and didn't pop in and say g'day. So uh, wonderful to see you all. It's always a great thrill uh, to be back here and awesome, always awesome too to see Greg and Julie Bailey and uh, it's so great. I'm always honoured when you're here when I'm preaching and uh, feel a bit guilty actually when I'm preaching when you're here. So, uh, but uh, it's just good. And so, so good to see what God is doing here. And um, I am, and I was reminded actually of a word I think God gave me a couple of years ago when you first came here. And I felt, you know, God say you're just going to be onwards and upwards from here on in. And uh, and I just see God is doing great things. So, uh, and also, you know, church that puts on a free lunch, praise God. And... Uh, <laughs> So it's awesome. So wonderful to be here and uh, excited about sharing the Word of God with you today. And uh, I pray that you'll be blessed. If you're in your Bibles, uh, turn with me to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5 uh, verses 18 to 21. Ephesians 5, 18 to 21. Uh, it says this. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Then I'll read uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 11. Ephesians 6, 10 to 11 says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might, Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I just ask and pray uh, that you help us to be the territory takers you've called us to be. I thank you and I praise you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, uh, amen. Uh, Ephesians uh, was written by the Apostle Paul. And there's a lot of uh, commentators that actually uh, don't agree that the Apostle Paul wrote it. And the reason why they don't agree that he wrote it is because the style of writing uh, and the subject matter was quite different from a number of his other letters. And so theologians uh, can believe that he may not have written Ephesians. However, more recent archaeological discoveries would suggest that there's a reason why Ephesians was different from a number of his other letters. And the reason why it is different is because it seems to be written in the same tone and with the same subject matter that the Romans would write in, a, in letters when they were communicating to their people that they're going to war. So when the Romans were going to war, they would send out a letter telling their people that they're getting ready to go to war, and in it, a number of topics were covered, similar to what the Apostle Paul covers when he's writing this letter. And so that is why it says at the end in Ephesians chapter 6, 10 to 11, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the full armour of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. What is he saying? He is saying that as the kingdom of God, God has called us to take territory in advance. He has not called us to sit in a corner singing kumbaya waiting for Jesus to return. He's called us to advance and take territory for him. 
So when you realize that, we also realize then that everything covered in Ephesians is necessary for us if we're going to be advancing and taking territory for the kingdom of God. Every topic covered is necessary for us to have in our lives, to have in our church, and to also have in the kingdom of God if we're going to be continually advancing. I've just finished an 11-week series at our church called Taking Territory. And all of it was ba- and talking about different topics covered in the letter of Ephesians. And here in Ephesians chapter 5, we see, we see that he says, don't be, drunk with, uh, don't be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. Instead, be filled with the Spirit of God. So what he's saying is this. If you want to live that advancing, territory-taking life that God's got for you, you've got to be filled with the Spirit of God. In fact, more accurately translated is be filled by the Spirit of God. Uh, Even more accurately translated is keep being filled by the Spirit of God. So he's not talking about a one-time event. He's saying that as Christians, we need to be continually filled by the Spirit of God if we're going to be that advancing, territory-taking force that he's called us to be. You can have the best car in the world, but if you never fill it with fuel, eventually it's going to run out and stop. In the same way, as Christians, we need to be continually filled by the Spirit of God. What does He fill you with? Well, He fills you with life. He fills you with strength. He fills you with the joy that you need to live that advancing life that He's called you to live. And so, here in Ephesians chapter 5, 18, 21, He actually tells us the habits that we can have that will help us to live that continually advancing, uh, continual, uh, continually advancing life that's continually filled by His Spirit. So I want to talk to you about a few habits of the Spirit-filled life, a few things that we can do that it tells us here in Ephesians 5 that will help us to live that advancing life that God has for us. The first thing that he says there is this. In Ephesians 5, 18, he says, Don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Speaking. The first key to living a Spirit-filled life is to have a positive confession. A positive confession. The way that we speak will determine the flow of the Spirit of God in our life. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs, from the fruit of a man's mouth, his own stomach is filled. So what that means is this. How we speak actually determines what we feed on. How we speak determines actually how we feel. I mean, if you speak words of, uh, words of, uh, uh, words of negativity, words of unbelief, words of death, guess how you're going to feel? You're not going to feel good. I mean, try it for a while. Well, that's hopeless. That's stupid. That's ridiculous. It doesn't make you feel any better. But when you start speaking words of life, you'll be amazed at what happens. You know, I know this well-known preacher in times of discouragement, he would drive around in his car speaking excellent words. Wonderful. Tremendous. <laughs> Fantastic. Great. He'd start speaking words of life. And as he started speaking words of life, he started feeding on those words. That's why when you become a Christian, you've got to stop speaking like a Queenslander. (laughs) Amen. Now, I love Queensland. Queenslanders are the most humble people in Australia and self-effacing. But Queenslanders are also a pack of liars. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) How you doing? Oh, not too bad. Remember my old senior pastor used to hate that when we would say that to him. He'd say, how you going? He'd say, not too bad. He goes, ah, not too bad. You're bad. You're just not too bad. (laughs) I said, what happened last night? 
slept on the street, somebody died, you're not going to heaven, what is it? I remember one time I was speaking to a guy in our youth group and I said to him, how you doing, mate? He goes, oh, I'm not too bad. I said, oh, you're bad. You're not just too bad. I said, what happened? You know, and I just started listing all these things and he thought about it and he says, actually, now that I think about it, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> As Christians, we need to change the way that we talk. We need to speak words of life and faith. We need to be the most uplifting speakers on the planet. In spite of some of the situations going on around us, we need to keep speaking words of life, speaking words of faith, and speaking hope. I love it when people come up to me and they say, how you doing, Ben? And I'll say, oh, can I be honest? And they'll look at me, yeah, you can be honest with me. And I'll say, to be honest, I'm doing awesome. And they look at me like, oh, you're not being real. Actually, I'm doing, I am being real. Life is pretty good. I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, I live on the Gold Coast, got a beautiful wife, got beautiful kids. Life's pretty good. 5% of my life isn't going the way I want, but I'm not going to spend my whole time focusing on the 5% that isn't working. And I'm going to start focusing on the good things that are happening. Some people are so negative, they went into a dark room, they develop. <laughs> Always finding fault. Always nitpicking. You're going to have a miserable life. We need to start speaking words of life, faith. We're different from the world. He says speaking. Second thing he says is this. Speaking to one another. Speaking to one another. It's not just speaking to the air. It's speaking to one another. Who's the one another he's talking about? Well, he writes this letter to a church. So the second key to living a spirit-filled life, second habit, is actually go to church. Be part of a group of people, a group of believers. You know, Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there. So what that means is that um, where two or three are gathered, his manifest presence is there. In his presence is fullness of joy. And the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. So one of the keys to actually live in that life that's full of faith and continually fueled up is to just have the habit of coming together with God's people. Now, some people, they kind of, you know, they, they get a bit funny, you know. Sometimes people get offended or hurt at a church or something like that. And they say silly things like, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. And they think that Jesus is cool with it. Without realising the phrases that the Bible uses to describe the church. Here's one phrase the Bible uses to describe the church. Bible says that, um, Bible says that the church is the bride of Christ. So to say that you like Jesus and don't like the church would be like coming up to me and saying, Ben, I think you're awesome. You're so cool. You're a really good guy. I think you're great. Now, I can't stand your wife, Trish, but you, you're fantastic. <laughs> I'm not going to be like, oh, yeah, I don't like her either. No, no, no. <laughs> as much as I like you, I like her better. You know what I'm saying? The church is the bride uh, of Christ. Not only that, uh, the Bible says that Christ is the head and the church is his body. Girls, would this pickup line work on you? Hey, baby. <laughs> You're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. When I'm depressed and I feel sad, I just think of your face. <laughs> and it makes me feel better. Sometimes in the morning, I struggle to get out of bed and 
I'll just grab my phone and stalk you on your Facebook profile. <laughs> and when I see your face, it gives me the strength I need to face the day. You have the most beautiful face I've ever seen in my life. Now, your body could do with a bit of work. So <laughs> some of you are like, I'll take him anyway. <laughs> Christ is the head. Church is his body. Insulting his body is not a compliment. He likes it. You know, some people get a misunderstanding what the church is as well. Some people think that the church is just a gathering of believers. Picnic down the beach, that's the church. And we understand that the church is not a building, but no more than that, the church is where there's a presence of ascension gift ministry. So if there's no ascension gift ministry, uh, you know, apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist, if there's none of that, it's actually not the church. Remember I was talking to a young man many years ago and he was offended at, at, ch at church, wasn't going anymore, and spoke to him one time and he said, oh, I said, you go to church? He goes, no, I don't go to church. Don't believe in organised religion. I remember thinking, I'd hope to go to a disorganised one, but anyway. <laughs> I said, so what do you do for church? He goes, well, we do at home. Get around the dining table. Someone, you know, one of the kids will, will sing a song and one of the kids will give a testimony. We say a prayer. We read the scripture. Uh, we do communion. That's our way of doing church. I said, bro, that ain't church. That's breakfast. Church is where there's a presence of ascension gift ministry. And one of the things, one of the keys to have, actually having that life-giving life and that life that's continually attached to the flow of the Spirit of God is being part of a local church. It's amazing. I remember many years ago um, when I was working, I started a Bible college in Brisbane and, and um, I would, on my, on, on, even on my holidays, I would actually preach at other churches. And I just remember one particular year I was on holiday and I was just having a holiday at home and I wasn't preaching anywhere. And I was just like, oh, this is, you know, this is awesome. I'm not, you know, I don't have to go to church tomorrow. I mean, I normally went to church four times on the Sunday. And so I thought, man, I go to church way more than most Christians. And so on the Saturday night, I thought, I'm not going to church tomorrow. I'm going to sleep in. And so my wife said to me, she goes, babe, where are we going to church tomorrow? I said, we're not going to church. I said, I'll go to church four times on a Sunday. I said, I'm going to have the Sunday off. And she says, well, what are we going to do? I said, well, I said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to sleep in. I'm going to take the boys down to McDonald's and I'm going to have breakfast. Then I'm going to come home and I'm going to watch the uh, NRL footy show. Then I'm going to watch the AFL footy show. Then I'm going to watch the AFL and the NRL and I'm going to have a fantastic day. So no, I'm not going to church. And she goes, oh, okay. And so before I went to bed, I made the mistake of um, praying. So I was praying <laughs> and I said, <laughs> and I was praying and, 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 I, and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, brought this scripture to me out of Psalms and it says, what can I render to the Lord for all his benefits that he's given me? And there's just four things that he wants. Take up the cup of salvation, uh, you, know, uh, you know, praise him, pay my vow in the presence of his people, go to church. That's all he really requires. And, uh, and God spoke to me and said, oh, so uh, you're not going to church tomorrow. Uh, you're not preaching, so you're not going. No one else is good enough to listen to. Oh, so, and I said, okay, okay, I'll go to church. So I went to bed and I said to my wife, I said, babe, we'll go to church tomorrow. She said, I told you. And I said, I said, but this is what we're going to do. We're going to go down the Gold Coast. I said, we're going to go to a church down there near Burley. And then we're going to go to Burley Beach in the afternoon. And then we're going to have a great day. She said, no worries. Now I can do that every week. And then she said to me, and then we went down there. We went to the church. We got in there and um, got in and the praise and worship had started. And, and I got in the, pr the presence of God. And man, 
just stuff started washing off me. And I just started freshening up. And I hadn't been in church for a whole seven days. But there was something that happened when I just came in, had that habit of just getting fueled up, and then we left and had a great day, and I was ready to hit the week. There's something about coming together with God's people. I was still praying and reading my Bible every day. We still have to do that. That's important. But also there's something powerful about getting together with God's people. Just simply having the habit, just simply having that habit is one of the keys that will keep you continually filled and fueled up by the Spirit of God. The third thing uh, that it says is this. It says, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, singing, singing. So the third key for living a spirit-filled life is actually singing and worshipping God. Now, why does that work? Well, the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. So what that means is this. When we praise him, his presence comes. And in his presence is fullness of joy. And so when we praise him, that's actually one of the keys to living that spirit-filled life. Now, the thing is this. It doesn't say... So, no, so Psalm 150 verse 6 says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Turn the person next to you and go like this. <laughs> Feel that warm, sticky thing on the side of your face? That's someone's breath. If you've got breath, we're supposed to praise God. Now, the Bible doesn't say, Let everyone with a perfect voice praise the Lord. It doesn't say, Praise the Lord if you like the song. It doesn't say praise the Lord if you like the decade that the song came from. It just says let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And when you praise him, his presence comes and in his presence is fullness of joy and there's life and strength. And so when you have that habit, it's incredible what God will do. It's incredible the life that you will continue uh, to access. Now I know why some people don't praise God and it's because they've got a terrible voice. It's true. Have you ever heard them? I remember there's been times I've sat in the church. I remember one time I was sitting in church. There's a lady sitting behind me and her voice had the same effect on me as someone dragging fingernails down a blackboard. <laughs> and everything sounded like a you know, dying cat or something. And everything in me just wanted to turn around and say, would you just be quiet? How can I praise God with you screeching in my ears? But here's the thing, as much as I didn't like it, God doesn't care. <laughs> and think about it, even if you've got a beautiful voice, compared to what God's listening to all the time, it's nothing. The Bible says God is seated in heaven and the earth is his footstool and he's surrounded by angels worshipping him 24-7. And they've got beautiful operatic voices, a little bit like this. <laughs> Worship you, Lord. Praise you, God. And the other thing is this. Angels don't breathe, so they don't have to take a breath. So they hold their notes forever. Worship you, Lord. And they don't have to breathe. They just keep going. Oh. And yet, God can actually hear us as well. And we start singing. Praise you, God. Worship you, Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. So he can hear us and he can hear them. Holy are you, Lord. Worship you, God. Praise you, God. 
Hallelujah. But essentially, what God does is turns the angels and says, boys, quiet. Oh. <laughs> and they just hear us. Praise you, God. <laughs> Hallelujah. I can imagine the angels looking at each other going, And God says, boys, thank you so much for praising me. But now my people at Flannery House are praising me. So I'm going to send my presence down there. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. He's not talking about angels, man. They don't breathe. He's talking about you and me. If you want to access the presence of God, if you want to keep having that spirit-filled life, open up your mouth and praise God. Singing. The next thing he says is this. He says, singing and, oh, speak, speaking one of those psalms and spiritual songs, singing, making melody to your heart, in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father, namely our Lord Jesus Christ. The next thing is thankfulness, thankfulness. The Bible says, I'll enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I'll enter his courts with praise. We access the presence of God through thankfulness. So as we give thanks, you'll be amazed at what happens. One of the th- keys to living that Christian life is even when things aren't going well, finding something to thank him about. Because when you thank him about something, he can actually drag you out of your discouragement. Great friend of mine, his name is Pastor Sanjay Stevenson, a number of years ago, was going through a very difficult season in his ministry. And so one particular Monday, he was down the Brisbane River, down by the, on the boat ramps at Kimberley, and he's walking around and he's kind of praying, but to be honest, he's more moaning and complaining. And he's saying, you know, Lord, why is this happening to me? Why aren't things going the way that I want? As he was doing that, he felt God say to him, why don't you thank me? And he, and he said, for what? And God said, thank me. And he was so discouraged, he couldn't even verbalize it. So he got a pen and paper and he started writing down things he could thank God for. Lord, I thank you that I'm saved. That's a pretty good start. On your worst day, you're still winning. You know what I'm saying? Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for the opportunity to preach your word. Thank you that some people do listen to me. And as he was saying that, he started taking his eyes off the things God hadn't done yet and started putting his eyes on the things that God was doing. Then the discouragement and the cloud lifted off him. He put his journal down and he started walking around that boat ramp, thanking and praising God. When you're thankful, you take your eyes off the things God hasn't done yet. And you start putting them on the things that he is doing. You know, as faith people, we're always looking ahead. We're always believing God for things. But we can be joyful and full of strength and life all the way on the journey there. And the way that we do that is by being thankful. When was the last time you counted your blessings? When was the last time you said, you know what, Lord? I just want to start thanking you for this. I want to thank you for that. When was the last time you did that? Because I promise you, when you start doing that, you'll start drawing down on the Spirit of God. You'll start accessing that presence and you will have the joy-filled, strong, Spirit-filled life that God has for us. He says, be thankful. And then the next thing he says uh, is this. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Now, it's interesting, that was a comma. It was a continuation. So he's saying that one of the keys to living that spirit-filled life, he says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Then he actually starts talking about household order. 
He says, wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Children, obey your parents. Fathers, don't frustrate your children. He starts focusing on those things. Now, interestingly enough, the Romans, I told you that this letter was based on a call to arms letter by the Romans. The Romans were, um, had this worldview, which I think the YMCA have since taken, which is strong families equal a strong community. Strong families equal a strong state. The Apostle Paul is borrowing from that, and he is, say, he is saying strong families equal a strong church. So what he's saying here is this. If your family life and home life is out of alignment, it's going to cut off the flow of Spirit of God in your life. Who knows that you can praise God, you can be thankful, you can have a positive confession, and you can come to church, but if life is a mess at home, who knows that there's no joy? That literally one of the keys to keeping the flow of the Spirit of God in our life is to actually get um, have our home lives in order, our family life in order, and that will keep things flowing uh, in our life. I know so I've met over the years so many people who've got so many areas in order in their life, but their home life is out of order. And when I say that, I'm not saying that everything is perfect and everything like that, but it's in order. There's alignment there. And I've noticed that with people with their life is out of order like that, it can still suck all the joy out of them. Because who knows, we have to have that alignment at home. <clears throat> I want to show you a couple of photos. I hope they got sent through to you. Um, I think I've got one there. Have I got a photo there? Oh, yeah, look at that. Look how big Amos is now. That was Amos. Was my son Amos was with me here. He's there on the right. He's like as tall as me now. Um, <clears throat> so uh, now you'll look at that family and you would think, mate, no problems. Because that family is picture perfect. Well, let me tell you, <laughs> that's not always the case. Um, I remember one time, I was, um, my wife and I had been married two years, and um, we were just bickering all the time. In the middle of the night one night, she gets up, and she, sa- and, um, she starts packing her bags. I says, what are you doing? She goes, I'm moving, I'm going to go stay with mum. I said, your mum lives in Cairns. She goes, I know. I said, what are you doing that for? She says, because you're an idiot. <laughs> when she said that, I thought, I'm a pastor. <laughs> Might as well not rock up to work tomorrow. I remember one time, uh, uh, you know, like, you know, if you've ever watered the lawn and, you know, watered the garden and you got your hose and you start watering and there comes a point when sometimes the water stops flowing. Water stops flowing because there's a kink in it. So what you do is you don't just keep yanking it. You go back, straighten it out, and then you keep going. When my wife said to me she's going to leave, I thought, there's a kink in my hose. I said, I better go straighten that out. So we straightened that out, and 18 years later, whatever it is, it's just been flowing on ever since. Look at those boys. Angels. (laughs) You would think, (laughs) you would think, they would be perfect. Well, not necessarily always the case. Look at my son on the left there. His name is Joshy. You can tell he's up to something. And, uh, you know, he was a character. He was funny because he could speak fluently before the age of two. And so we could get an insight into the mind of an infant uh, through him. It was incredible. Uh, but he was always telling lies. 
So, so I remember one time, you know, he was, he was complaining that he was afraid of the dark. But then we realised he can't have been because we found evidence of him raiding the fridge in the middle of the night. Um, remember one time he comes into our room. He goes, Mummy, Daddy, he goes, uh, oh, he said, I've, I've wet the bed. He went to his room and, yeah, he wet the bed, all right. The popper he stole from the fridge exploded in bed. <laughs> I remember there was another night, my mum and dad were staying with us and my mum kicked my dad out of the bedroom, he was snoring too much and so he went and stayed on a futon in the dining room and he's lying there, it's dark, he reckons 2am, lights on and he sees the fridge doors open and two-year-old Joshua looked out from behind and says, it's okay, Grandpa, go back to sleep. <laughs> Naughty. I remember one time, a number of years ago, we were just having some issues and we realised, my wife and I looked at each other and we said, it's not working, like the way we're parenting. It's not working for us. We have to change it. We felt God give us a bit of wisdom and literally that week, things flipped upside down, completely changed. The next week, I got a phone call from a church, which is one of the largest churches in Australia. And God had told me I was going to preach there. And they'd been trying to get me and it just wasn't working enough and that sort of thing. And so literally they, and literally that week, they rang me and I preached there and I started preaching for there for the next four years, three or four times a year. It was one of the greatest partnerships I had as an itinerant minister. What had happened? I straightened out something at home. And God released more territory through me. Can we show the next picture, please? Okay, that's my um, that's my mum and dad down the front. My dad's a Tongan. My mum's an Aussie. My sister's in the back corner, and my brother-in-law, he's uh, African American, and uh, she just had a baby yesterday, actually, another one. And um, it's funny because um, oh, and she's uh, his surname is Winans, so you know CC and BB Winans, that sort of. He's their nephew, so um. And so my sister's an R&B gospel singer as well. Um, and um, look at my dad, look at his grandchildren. He's got a black and he's got a white and he's got a caramel. And it's just like, <coughs> you know, it's, a, it's, it's funny. Um, my um, parents, they met, uh, my dad won a scholarship from Tonga over here to, in Melbourne and went to university and met my mum and they were Christians started dating and then they were in love and they wanted to get married but my dad was worried because he was worried that family members back home in Tonga would come to try and stop it and so he didn't uh, didn't propose and they probably courted longer than what they should and so in the end they found out that they were going to have me so then my dad decided now nah, we've got to straighten this out because uh, he knows the Bible says Wives submit to your husbands, husbands love your wives. It doesn't say partner, submit to your partner. Amen. And so then they, they decided to get married. And uh, on the wedding day, apparently, my dad ducked out for about two hours. And I found out later, uh, after the wedding, in between the wedding and the reception, he went off by himself. And I spoke to him many years later when I found out about that. And I said, What'd you do that? You know, why'd you do that? And he said, I just went and went, went and spent time alone with God and he said and I, I said Lord I, the last few months I haven't been living the life that I should I didn't realize I'd walk away from you in that but I'm coming back and from this day forward 
I'm going to live the right way from now on. And for the nearly, you know, 48 years since, we've been going on awesome. My sister in the top right corner, she was, uh, she was a really good singer. She had a, uh, she was uh, back in about oh, 12 years ago now. She was lead singer of a group that had a top five single in Australia, uh, and then she gave her life to Christ. And um, and and what she does is um, in Melbourne, uh, her and, her, and and some other. And, this, and she's formed this group, it's a gospel group, and they call it Gospel Sundays. And they go around to different pubs in Melbourne, and on the Sunday afternoon they do a gospel set as like an outreach. And people from all around Melbourne come to it, famous worship leaders come to it, uh, musicians come to it to listen, it's really, really good. And she does that as a way of proclaiming the gospel. And in fact, a couple of years ago, um, there was a reasonably well-known celebrity in Australia who had heard her perform and asked for her and her band to come up and do their wedding at Byron Bay. And that was one of those weddings where, you know, it was covered by a woman's day and that sort of stuff. And my sister said, you do understand we only do gospel music. We don't do secular music. And they said, yeah, that's fine. We'll come and do your gospel music. So she went and they went and did their gospel music. And with all the, and it was a quite a big wedding, all these celebrities. And she was doing that as a form of outreach, as a form of bridging uh, with the community. So if you think about it, you could kind of say with what my sister's doing, She's a bit of a territory taker. I guess you could kind of say with what me and my family do, uh, we're territory takers. And it all happened after mum and dad straightened it out. There's something powerful about getting things straightened out at home. You didn't see this coming, huh? But he says the flow of the Spirit of God, we do the disciplines, but when family life's in order at home, it just keeps things flowing. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, Ben, there's a kink in my hose. There's something at home, maybe it's with a, a child or maybe it's with your parents or it's your spouse, whatever it is. Somewhere in your family that you know that there's something that's out of alignment, out of order. And God, I believe, is in the business of restoring families. You know, moving to the Gold Coast, it was amazing, actually, how much dysfunction. People go to the Gold Coast to escape. It's amazing how much dysfunction is there among families. And I just felt God say that our church is going to be known as a house of restoration for families and that sort of thing. But maybe you're here and you're saying, Ben, there's a kink in my eyes, there's something there. You know, um, I told you some of my stories. So I'm not here saying that I'm perfect, we've got it all together. But I do know that God can help us. And you're amongst family here. And if you're saying, there's a, I think there's a kink in my hose, in my family life, then we want to pray for you. And pray for God to help you to straighten it out. Maybe God can supernaturally move. Maybe he can give you the wisdom or give you the resources, the access to the resources you need to straighten it out, whatever it is. But I'm a big believer that God wants to straighten these things out so that you can be continually filled by the Spirit of God and be the territory taker that God's called you to be. Amen? Amen. So can I just ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads for a moment? And maybe you're here and you're saying, Ben, that's me. Uh, there's a kink in my hose. There's some member of my family right now. There's a complete dysfunction. We're not saying that your marriage or your relationship with your kids has to be perfect we're not saying that 
or we're saying there might be some major dysfunction, some severing or something like that that's happened. If that is you right where you are, slip up your hand and say, that's me. There's something I need to straighten out. There's something I need to straighten out or something. Awesome. Many hands there. It's a breakthrough, breakthrough morning for you. It's a breakthrough morning for you. Praise God. You can return to him. Church, would you stand on your feet? What I'd love to do in just a moment is invite those people to put their hands up and pray for you. Myself and the team, whoever Pastor Brad says, we'll pray. There's a number of you, and we're going to pray for God to help you straighten that out. Amen? But before we do, I just want to pray for you as a church. I'll hand over to Pastor Brad, and then they can come out after when Pastor Brad says. Lift your hands to heaven. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, you want us to be people who live lives continually filled by the Spirit of God. This church has already started taking territory. It's already started advancing. And I know you've got even more for them and even greater for them. I thank you and I praise you for them, Lord. I declare your blessing upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Awesome. Let's thanks, Pastor Ben.